Hello, thank you for joining us for another episode of Arthritis at Home. Today, we're lucky to have with us Ms. Linda Wilhelm, one of the leading patient advocates in Canada, uh, and also the president of the Canadian Arthritis Patient Alliance. Linda, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. We're gonna talk today about total joint replacement. And earlier this year, ACE ran a series on TJR, and we focused on hip and knees, the most common uh, form or types of uh, joint replacement surgery. Um, but also the procedure can be performed on other joints as well, such as your ankle, your wrist, your elbow, or your shoulder. And Lynn and I, we were on a conversation, we had a we were on a Zoom call, I think, a few weeks ago. We talked about um, your experience with shoulder replacement surgery, and we thought it'd be a, a good um, topic to share with our viewers at Arthritis at Home. So that's going to be our focus today. Um, so are you ready to go, Linda? I'm ready to go. Excellent. Um, I think just as a, in the, at the outset, um, there's sort of three main goals for, for joint surgery. And that's to obviously to reduce pain, uh, to prevent joint damage, and to improve um, a patient's ability to function uh, day to day. So overall, a quality of life issue. Um, I guess what we're first interested in, Linda, is what the decision-making process was for you. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in 1983. So I'm one of the veterans. Uh, this disease, my disease was pretty aggressive and not well managed until biologics kind of changed my life. Um, that was about 2000. So I then in the year just after getting access to a biologic and starting to get back on my feet again out of a wheelchair, they began to rebuild my lower body. So they replaced my hips and my knees and my ankle and got me walking again. And I thought, okay, that's going to be great. If I can just walk again uh, with relatively little pain, I'm going to be a happy person. Uh, but then after they fixed the lower half, then the pain from the upper half, as often happens with RA, started to become a bit more pronounced. So at that point, I called my surgeon and said, um, you know, I was having a lot of trouble with my shoulders. They were, I was getting not sleeping well because when you lay down on your shoulder, it's hard to lay down and get comfortable. The pain is always there. There isn't a comfortable position. So I thought, well, maybe I will think about getting the upper half done, at least start with the shoulder. So I, I contacted my surgeon and because I, he had done the lower half of my body, he actually sent me to a specialized, to his friend who actually subspecialized in shoulder and upper body surgery. So I went to see him and within six months, we decided that you know, the shoulder could be replaced. So I started with one shoulder and I wasn't really sure what my expectations were. I, I really wanted pain, less pain. I wanted to be able to sleep at night and have less pain. And that certainly was a huge success. Um, I had uh, after the surgery, you know, after the surgery healed, and I got you know, some rehab, the pain was gone and I could sleep again. I was a little more disappointed in the function. I thought 
I might get a little bit more range of motion. And I worked at it and worked at it. And I did get, you know, enough that I can pull my arms above my head. I can reach, you know, to a certain level of cupboards. I can never get to the highest cupboard. <laughs> and I certainly can, you know, there's restrictions with getting in, uh, doing some household things like, you know, reaching into a washing machine and dryers is just that limitation isn't quite, you know, it isn't quite there. But then I think if, if I had gone on like I had been going on and with that damage, I probably would have reduced function as time went on anyway. Earlier you spoke about the decision um, because it's, it's, you were being recommended that you're probably both shoulders were going to be replaced. Your decision to have uh, one done and then go in for another surgery for the other instead of getting them both done at the same time. Tell us a little bit about the thought process behind that. Well, it was partly because they, I knew that I'd have to be, the, the one arm would be incapacitated for a while, that they didn't want you to use it. I didn't want to be helpless. I wanted to be able to feed myself and uh, brush my teeth. And I wanted, you know, as much as I have a lot of joint damage in my hand and they don't function 100%, they, I manage and I didn't want to be completely helpless. I wanted to have at least one arm that I could use for what I needed to use it for. And to me to have both sides, just, I, I just, I didn't think I could do that. Um, and a reminder to viewers that you are based in the East Coast in New Brunswick. Um, what was the wait time experience like for shoulder surgery compared to your experience with hip and knee? It was better. and. And it was just because I had already, I had a good relationship with the surgeons. I, I have two orthopedic surgeons, like I said, one who did the lower body, one who did the upper body. When I went for my first surgery, I waited a year to get in to see the, the first surgery I had was a hip. And I was in absolute agony and I waited and waited. I called the office, I'd be in tears, crying. Um, and then Finally, I called the office one day and the orthopedic surgeon was, his wife answered the phone and she was an orthopedic nurse. And she, I, and I was on the phone, I was in tears, I was in so much pain. Uh, he was, she was actually packing up the orthopedic surgeon's office to move him to Fredericton. And so she booked me in to see him the next day before he left. And then I just followed him to Fredericton. He was actually the guy that did the upper body surgeries he sent me to his friend who did the lower body surgery, and then I ended up going back to the guy for the shoulder, uh, the other surgeon, after I had done the lower body. So it was a unique process, but I had a very good relationship with both of these surgeons. So after that first initial wait of a year, I never had to wait for surgery longer than a couple months after that. We know um, when we did uh, our earlier work, around hip and knee and shoulder would be the same, that the period of pre-habilitation, uh, if you will, um, before surgery, the education and exercise that patients can do can be a great um, uh, barrier or tool for success in terms of the outcome for the surgery. What were some of the education and exercise components uh, around the sh shoulder surgery 
that, uh, that you found useful and maybe different than, uh, than hip and knee? Well, the pre, and that was interesting because pre-surgery here in 2003, when I had my surgery done, there was no free education. They gave you nothing. Uh, it was interesting because about, I guess, 2006, 2007, after the surgeries, after the arthritis summit for standards of care, uh, where we set benchmarks for hips and knees uh, with the Arthritis Alliance of Canada, um, I, I talked to my surgeon. I said, how come we don't have any education here in New Brunswick for free, for hip, and, for, for hip replacement surgery or for joint replacement surgery? And so I ended up working with him and we did a, a joint presentation to a standing committee on health on the need for uh, pre-education, prehab, what we might as well call, uh, for joint replacement surgery. And there is now joint replacement surgery prehab in New Brunswick. So patients now receive the education practice. I would just recommend that you keep working it, that you, uh, after surgery, they give you, it's like a pulley system to help your arm and it has weights in it that you pull up and down. And and for the first month, they don't want you doing anything after surgery. But I would suggest patients thinking about it, get that pulley system functioning before surgery so that they can work with some weights and keep the strength and keep the muscles in their uh, upper arms uh, strong. Because I think that's going to be, that would be key to maybe a better function after surgery. Maybe um, tell us a little bit more about rehab and post-rehab shoulder experience compared to hip and knees. So it's interesting because hip and knees, they get you going like the same day or the next day you're working. Right. And for knees, it's, it's a tough old go sometimes to get that, uh, get your range back and you get working. With shoulders, it was really different because they told, they don't want you, they have you come out of surgery and they have you in a splint and they, they don't really want you moving your shoulder at all for the first little while. So you have like this very basic, you know, what your shoulder would normally range at. They don't even want you working it or using it. Um, so you just kind of hold it close for a while till it heals. And then you gradually start getting some of that work, that motion back. And it was a month, I think, before I started working with a pulley to start lifting the shoulder back up and down. I'm not sure if that's changed since then, because you know, guidelines are constantly evolving. I know certainly I've heard you speak many times how the patient uh, is at the center, is the captain of their healthcare team. Um, when it comes to shoulder replacement surgery and, and other joint replacement surgeries, there are a number of members of the healthcare team that you're going to be working with, engaging with. How did you find that experience from rheumatologist, GP, orthopedic surgeon, um, physiotherapist? How did you find that experience and, and what could you recommend to patients in terms of being the in charge of their healthcare team? Interesting. My rheumatologist didn't have much involvement. I mean, he visited me when I was in the hospital, but uh, I he didn't have much involvement in the surgery itself or the, uh, the pre or post. I was orthopedic surgeons and physiotherapists. Uh, the physiotherapists are just invaluable. And if, if somebody does not have access to one, 
Uh, before and after surgery, I would say that's the, my number one recommendation. Uh, I have a good relationship with my orthopedic surgeon and that's why they just, they let me direct it. Um, of course, I've had 14 total joint replacements or fusions. So they know that I know what I'm doing. And by about the sixth one, they pretty much said, okay, whatever you say, is, you know, just we'll do whatever you want. So the one thing I did in New Brunswick, we have a really good extramural hospital system. So I had, I requested to have extramural physiotherapists come to visit once a week for the first month and then uh, maybe once a month for the next couple of months just to make sure I was progressing the way I was supposed to be progressing, that she was talking back to the orthopedic surgeons to make sure everything was on track and the way it should be. And I think that that made a huge difference in my ultimate success. Final word, if there's anything that you've learned, um, not just with the shoulders, but the hip and knee, um, going through those processes, any final word or recommendation for our viewers? For me, it's to listen to the physiotherapist that sees you when you're in the hospital because they know their stuff. Uh, without the ones that I had throughout my every surgery, I, I don't know that I would have had the greatest result. And I wanted to have the best result possible if I was going to go through this surgery. Uh, work hard. I, I know it. I know it hurts. I know that it's hard work after surgery to to get do the exercises and it's painful. But you need to do that to get the best function. You want to have the best result you can get, and it's well worth it. I mean, now I'm still mobile. I'm still I even with the hip or knees replacement. I'm going on 20 years with the one hip, and there's a less than a like 0.1 millimeter of wear. So I'm probably going to get another 20 years out of it, even though they say they only last 20 years. Uh, my knees are the same. They want, they check them every couple of years and they're do, doing great. Uh, still pain free. And uh, yeah, so I need the surgeries that have saved my life as on top of the medications that, you know, controlled the disease. And I'm still here. <laughs> I don't know that I would be if it wasn't for it. Well, uh, patients across Canada uh, are really benefiting um, from your ability to continue to do all of the work that you do on behalf of them, uh, Linda. So we're very thankful that, uh, that these particular foreign surgeries um, have enabled you to remain active and to be that leading patient advocate voice uh, that you are. Um, not only in, in New Brunswick, but across the country. And we thank you for that. And thank you for joining us today as well and sharing your experience. And to our viewers, that's a, a wrap of this episode. And we hope you can join us again for another edition of Arthritis at Home.